Well, good evening, church. Welcome back to our Sunday night teaching time. We've been uh, in this series, Renewed in the Spirit of Your Mind, knowing how the life of God gets inside. And we've been studying this together in this kind of a format for about 14 weeks. Hopefully pretty soon we'll be able to get back to real Sunday night gathering at our church. I want to talk to you tonight again from Romans 12, 1 and 2 about how renewed minds come to please the heart of Father God. And I think you'll see that ultimately that's what these two verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2, are all about. Let's read them. Get a Bible. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. That, that's the, the activity of this world is just to, to uh, fit us into itself, to make us its shape. The values of the culture become the value of the Christian. That's the goal of this world. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then this phrase, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So the last part, which we haven't studied yet, of those two verses really holds up the goal of this whole process. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So instead of being conformed to this world, your mind, my mind, was made for something, created for something. And what it was created to do is to know a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The method of that transformation is the renewed mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Of course, we've seen that that doesn't just happen. The mind has to be fed stretched around studying the mercies of God revealed in God's Word. Any mind that isn't fed by, trained by God's Word, and if a person's just too lazy or, more likely, too busy to mind the depths of all the revelation of God's mercies, I beseech you by the mercies of God, if a person doesn't do that, well the mind will never be transformed. The life will always just take the shape of the surrounding culture. That's because our world trains us. It trains us to think of, even if not bad things, it trains us to think of light things, small things. We're, we're driven so much by the twin gods of this age, that's entertainment and wealth and what those two things bring. So our brains, they're naturally the wrong shape to be filled with um, the aspirations of the Holy Spirit. God's method, God has a solution. It's to reshape my mind as I feed my mind with revelation of the mercies of God in Jesus Christ. The renewed mind suddenly realizes so many things in this world aren't essential. God's mercies in Christ are essential. 
And I have to be trained to recognize that. Now, the motivation for that transformation is the mercies of God. We're to be... So you can't just beat Christians into studying the mercies of God. It can't be just duty. The motivation is the mercies of God. So we're drawn into this this uh, transforming of our minds, not by legal obligation, not just by hard duty, but by adoration, delight, gratitude, thankfulness. So the renewed mind is captivated by God's amazing grace. Not automatically, but it feeds itself there. I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God... Renewed minds start to linger over divine revelation. They think deeply and they think often about the effect, the consequences of the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. The New Testament would say they grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The result of that, of course, renewed minds is the presenting of our bodies, Present your bodies, brothers and sisters, as living sacrifices. Verse 1. But purity, the presenting of the body in sacrificial service to the Lord, it's still not legalistic. Our motive is the mercies of God, not religious law. That call to holiness, it reaches these physical bodies. The renewed mind the fruit of that renewed mind gets fleshed out in the activities of my body. Uh, Eating, bill paying, conversations with friends and family, travel, the books I read, iPods, the the, the, uh, blogs that that I read, what I stream, what I watch on television, the way I text the way I post online, every email that I send, going out on a date with my wife, preaching a sermon, whatever I do with my physical body is to, is to show everyone who sees, listens, or reads me that I treasure Christ above everything else. So everything I do with my body is supposed to magnify the greatness of Christ. Now, there are two dangers. All this is just finishing up a review a little bit. Two dangers I must watch out for with this physical body. First, I need to put to death sin. I must not allow the acts of the body to in any way mar the glory of Christ and his lordship over my life. And second... I'm not to allow even good, innocent pleasures, things that aren't sinful in themselves, but I can't have any passion that exceeds my passion for Christ. So many good things need to be carefully edited. I can't do everything. I can't major on everything. But that still isn't legalism. I put things to death, Paul says, not because God says I have to, but because of the surpassing treasure that I have in the, in the mercies of God in Christ. The good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Okay, so that brings us to today's teaching. Tonight we're going to focus on the goal. 
the goal of a renewed mind. And the goal is, it sounds simple, the goal is to know the will of God. Look at it in 12.2. That by testing, here's, here's the, the end game plan. Here's what we're aiming for. That, so that, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And that leads me into point number one. The will of God is gloriously wonderful and perfect for our lives. That's what Paul says. He says it's good and acceptable and perfect. And the reason, of course, is it, it reflects the mind of God. And he is good, perfectly good, utterly wise, infinitely perfect. So, so the will of God isn't to be seen as my mind gets renewed. The will of God isn't to be seen as just a list of do's and don'ts. Do this, do this, do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. No, it's not a list detached from God himself. The will of God is, is the expression of the perfection of God for my life. And there's a reason that Paul places that word acceptable in the list of adjectives describing the will of God. Good, acceptable, perfect. My experience is people who have a hard time embracing God's will, just they haven't seen it properly. They sometimes view God's will simply as God flexing his muscles toward his creation. Can't do this, can't do this, don't do that, or boy, you're going to be in trouble. And so they, they confuse God's will with some stuffy, restrictive experience that they've had in some religion. Certainly, most of the sitcoms on television, they constantly paint religious people as having too much starch in their collars, just taking all the joy out of life for everybody else, narrow-minded prudes. But Paul says, for any who give God a chance... For any who come to truly know the will of God in their experience, it's not, it's not something unacceptable. It's something that's highly acceptable. It's, it's the guiding, merciful, all-wise hand of loving Father God. So, so remember, the will of God is the mind and heart of God. It is absolutely perfect for your life. Let me put it this way. Remember this sentence. The will of God for your present life is what you would always choose if you had all the facts. The will of God for your present life is what you would always choose if you had all the facts. So, whatever you're getting out of your life right now, in terms of money, health, power, glamour, degrees, career, if you still don't put God's kingdom first, you're getting less out of life than God would like. Not more, less. That's what Paul is saying. Don't settle for small. Point number two, how does the renewed mind come to know the will of God? This is the main part of the study because I think people have far too limited a concept of knowing God's will. I think they think of knowing God's will just in terms of a specific decision. Does God want me going to Yale or Harvard? 
Does God want me to be a carpenter or a pilot? Should I move to, to Oakville or should I move to Pickering? God, which is it? And that, that's how they think of knowing God's will. And that has nothing to do with this text. Knowing God's will is a bigger question than many people think. And I, wanna, I want to do just a little bit of work with the translation here. It's not complicated, but I want to get at what we're really studying when we look at that question, knowing God's will, what that is all about. So I'm going to look at Romans 12, 2. Have your Bible open. You need your Bible open in front of you for this. Romans 12, 2, and I'm going to read it in several different translations. I don't know which one you have. That's fine. Romans 12, 2. This is the New American Standard Bible. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay. So that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Same verse now in the NIV. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look, then you will be able to test and approve what the will of God is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now the translation I'm, I'm using here tonight, the English Standard Version, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now listen, that by testing, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, if you followed that, I think you can see there's more to the process of the renewed mind knowing God's will than merely A or B, knowing which it is. So in other words, Paul isn't just talking about having the data, the factual awareness of what God requires and what he forbids. It's much deeper than that. The King James Version and the New American Standard both use the word prove, that you may prove what the will of God is. 12.2. But the NIV and the ESV use different words to replace that. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. That by testing. Now, the reason, this isn't something you probably need to know. The, the reason these translations vary and seem to be struggling with the phrase is, is that word prove, dikamazo, it's, it's almost impossible to put into one English word. It, it literally means something like um, proving by putting to the test or Proving by value, proving by implication. So, so it's it's knowing, but it's a knowing that's that's more like uh, prizing, demonstrating, valuing. It's 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 knowledge, not just knowledge of God's will, but knowledge of the worth of God's will. Knowledge of the worth of God's will. I've used this little illustration if you've been in my Christian ed class. I've used this before, but it's just the best little illustration. There's a difference between knowing about something and knowing the worth of something. Let's say I own a gold mine, just pretend, and I hire you to work for me. And I 
teach you where you are most likely to find gold. And I teach you to know what gold looks like when it lies bare in the earth. I teach you the best way to extract it from the ground so as not to waste any of it. I even teach you how to tell real gold from fool's gold. And so you become an expert in going down, getting gold, and bringing it out because I teach you everything about it. But let's just pretend, I know this isn't likely, let's pretend I brought you in from some remote place on earth where up until this moment you had never even heard of gold. Everything you learned about gold, you learned from me. You don't know what people do with gold. You don't know how precious gold is. You know everything there is to know about mining gold because you learned it from me. You know everything there is to know about gold except how valuable it is. And I want to keep it that way because I'm giving you a dollar for every pound of gold you bring up out of the mine. You see, you can know a lot about something without knowing its value. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans 12.2. Not knowing God's will, A or B. Not that. That's what we usually think of. God's, Paul's writing about, do you know the worth? Do you know the preciousness of God's will for your life? Paul's talking about testing. That by testing, you may prove. He's talking about appraising the will of God, not just knowing what the will of God is. Don't lie, don't steal, don't fornicate, don't be greedy. But about the value you place on living out God's will daily in your life. That, that's what, now, that's what a renewed mind is for. That's the difference between a renewed mind and an unrenewed mind, it isn't, it isn't one is smarter than the other. It's one sees the value. It knows the worth of God's will. Do you just see a list of prohibitions and commands? Or do you see the greatest pathway for your deepest joy? That will tell you whether you have a renewed mind. I hope you can see that in this sense of valuing the will of God, you can have a church upbringing without having a renewed mind. You can quote Bible verses without having a renewed mind. You can have Christian parents without having a renewed mind. You can be a Christian business person without possessing a renewed mind. You can know so much about the will of God because you've grown up being taught the things of God, what he wants you to do, the things he doesn't want you to do. You can go down into the gold mine and bring out all that you've been assigned to bring out without knowing the value of any of it. And here's why, Pastor Don, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. Here's why this all matters so, so much. Sooner or later, probably later, you will be brought by the Spirit of God himself into some very specific situation where the value you place on God's will is going to be tested. Not your knowledge of his will, the value you place on his will is going to be tested. It's not whether you know God's will or not, but whether you treasure it. 
There will come specific times when you're feeling pulled between the will of Father God and the path of some stubborn self-fulfillment. And it's precisely, precisely right there at that fork in the road that God's going to invite you to taste and see that the Lord is good. That his will is absolutely perfect. 12.2. It happens all the time. Picture, picture, just a for instance, picture a young Christian man brought up knowing what God's will is. He's dating an unsaved woman. In fact, he's falling in love with her. And he's been taught probably since he was a teenager that it isn't right for a Christian to give his heart to a woman who isn't a Christian. And he had never questioned it before because he never had to. Now, now he's in love. And now, right now, he has to learn God's will. He doesn't have to learn what God's will is. He can read that. But he has to learn something much more difficult. Both the risks and the rewards. Oh, if he only had eyes of faith to see the rewards of honoring God. The test isn't knowing the will of God anymore. The test is valuing God's will above his own. The issue is by testing, 12.2, to approve the will of God in this situation. And I, I would just pray for all sorts of specific situations that that silly little illustration of the gold mine stays in your mind. We can all think of a thousand ways people, even sincere people in this age, are robbed blind by precious opportunities simply by not knowing the value of something. Parents weep when their Christians squander away time and money, not knowing the value of an education. We want people to grow up knowing the value of a buck so they don't waste money. But we don't maybe teach them to value we teach them what the will of God is, but to value it. You will never learn to treasure God's will just from a sermon. God sovereignly sends these seasons of appraisal into all of our lives. We're invited to test and see and approve the good of God's will. In a world full of smoke and mirror temptations and delights, we're invited to allow the Spirit of God to renew our minds so our brains are more fitted to the values of the kingdom than those of Hollywood or Wall Street. Man, the, the, the delight and the safety there is to be found when our minds learn to appraise the call of Christ and the will of God as being perfect. Three. Last point, almost done. If that's the case, treasuring God's will, it leads to this third question, third issue, I guess. Father God wants his children to learn to discern his will as opposed to merely asking him what his will, of, what his will is. So God, do you want me doing this or this? That's, that's, it's, very basic. That's very basic. God wants us to grow through our own time of competing desires into a mature proving 
of the superiority of his will. And here's what this means. Understand, God won't tell you everything you're supposed to do in this world, and there's a reason he won't. I want to talk about that for a minute. Contrary to popular impressions, God doesn't want to form you into a person who just mechanically carries out his instructions, even if you carry them out well. He wants to raise children who have proven the value of his will and discovered the joy of just pleasing his heart. Now, let me give you another illustration. I can still remember I was very young. We had one of those gas-powered lawnmowers out west. And I was pretty young when my dad took me out to cut the grass for the very first time. I can remember that. He showed me how to start the lawnmower yanking that cord. We had some steep hills in our backyard and and he showed me how to push it across the hills in the backyard rather than try as a small boy to go up and down the hill and maybe have the lawnmower roll back. And when I was all done, I came into the house pretty proud of my accomplishment and I told him I'd finished cutting the yard. Took me outside and pretty proud of my work, yet gently told me that I wasn't quite finished. And he pointed out that I, we had steps up the middle of our backyard, and he pointed out that I had cut the grass, but I hadn't taken the trimmers and trimmed around the steps where the grass was long and you couldn't get at it with the lawnmower. Job isn't finished till the trimming is done, he would say. When the trimming was all done, I came back into the house. We went outside again because it was the very first time. And he pointed out that I had left all the grass all over the sidewalk and the steps. And once again, the job isn't done until the grass is swept and the walk is tidy. Of course, when you're immature and just learning, the more complete and specific the instructions are, the better. But my point is this. Eventually, he didn't have to tell me each step of the task. In fact, he knew I was growing up when, without being told, I knew when the grass was too long, I knew when it needed to be cut, and I trimmed around the steps and I swept off the sidewalk. And he didn't have to tell me that. I knew what he wanted. In the early stages, it's okay, in the early stages, I was simply carrying out instructions. Eventually, I learned my dad's mind regarding the grass. One time I even painted the fence. We had a white wooden fence. One time I even painted it without being told because I knew it would be pleasing to him. See what was happening? My mind was being shaped. I wasn't just receiving instructions anymore. I was learning his heart. Now, here's the thing. Now nobody has to tell me to cut the grass. Got it all figured out. I can see when it's too long. And I have learned the value of a neat yard. I've discovered, here it is. I've discovered the joy of what was once just a requirement. I've discovered the joy of what was once just a requirement. My mind 
has been changed. One time I simply carried out instructions. That's okay for starting out. Now I've learned the value of a nice yard. Though I always obeyed him, which is good, sometimes out of fear, now my thinking has changed. A renewed mind now enjoys a nice yard. I have found joy in what were once just instructions that by testing you may approve what is good and perfect and acceptable. Remember, that's the goal. Not just carrying out instructions. A renewed mind. God wants to raise up a group of people who think and assess things differently in this world. A person can carry out instructions without ever loving the instructor. That is not God's plan. He wants to train us to value differently. And here's why. You're going to encounter, as you live life in this world, a thousand situations every day that aren't specifically mentioned in chapter and verse. And no one's going to be around to tell you what you're supposed to do. You need the mind of Christ. You need to learn by testing to value and approve the will of Father God for yourself. You need to learn, you need to learn what pleases God. What are the kinds of things that please God? That comes from consistently valuing his judgments where they are revealed, learning to treasure them. And as you you obey the specific instructions according not legalistically but because of the mercy, therefore by the mercies of God. Thankfully, delighting in what you know of God's will, he will make other areas clear, even if they aren't specifically dealt with in the scriptures. The whole process is being conformed to the image of his son. You see, a servant can obey a master without ever becoming like the master. And that's not Father God's plan. Prove the delights of his will. Shape your mind with godly desires. Trust that his will is perfect for your whole life. Don't just recite it. Cherish it. Prove its worth over and over again. And you'll find yourself being conformed to the image of Christ with a brand new mind. And that's the goal. Help it to happen, Lord Jesus in deeper and fuller measure in my heart and all of our hearts at Cedarview Community Church. You're a good God, and we love you, and we want to be like you. Renew our minds and affections as we feed our souls with the revealed mercies of God in Christ. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock here at the church. Be studying together the attributes of God. What comes to your mind when you think about God? So come, join us. Uh, you don't have to wear a mask or you can sit where you want. It's a great thing. Children's ministries at the same time. Love one another, church. You're dismissed.